In its quest to provide an open forum for discussion of controversial issues, this station allows hosts and their guests to express themselves without any significant censorship. You're advised that any views expressed by the hosts or their guests are not necessarily the views of Tuggy Entertainment or its partners. It's time for Success Profiles Radio with your host, Brian K. Wright, here on the Rockstar Radio Network. Have you ever wondered if there's more to life than you're currently living? Then Success Profiles Radio is the program for you. Every week, we'll explore different aspects of success and how to apply them to your life. Guests will come from many different backgrounds, including expertise in leadership, business, relationships, careers, networking, health, overcoming adversity, and much more. Every show is a dose of inspiration. This is Success Profiles Radio on the Rockstar Radio Network. And now, here's your host, Brian K. Wright. Hello and welcome to Success Profiles Radio. I'm your host, Brian K. Wright, and it is an absolute pleasure to be here with you today. I'm honored that you chose to spend part of your day with me here, and this is going to be a really amazing show. I'll be introducing my guest shortly. And I promise this will be a fun and informative hour. It will be terrific. I just want to take a minute or two to share some things I've been learning and thinking about lately, and I will do this every single week. Recently, I was thinking about problem solving. Sometimes we feel like we're in a situation that we have no idea how to handle. One of my favorite authors is Brian Tracy, and he discusses one of my favorite problem solving strategies in his book, Create Your Own Future. And I've tried this myself with a lot of success. The first thing you need to do is to ask a very focused question, such as, how can I raise an extra $1,000 in the next month? Having a laser-focused question is very important because it gives you a specific target. Here's the second part of your strategy. Come up with at least 20 answers to the question you just developed. Take out your sheet of paper, get your computer screen up, whatever it is you want to do. Write the question at the very top of the page, then number your page from 1 to 20 and get started. Write down anything that comes to mind without evaluating them. The first four or five will be very easy. But your creativity will really begin to kick in when you look beyond the obvious solutions. It is entirely possible that your best answer is the last one you write down. Only when you've finished should you begin to evaluate the best ones to use. If this exercise helps you come up with two or even three usable ideas, then your time has been very well invested. With all of this in mind, I want to introduce my very special guest this week. And before I forget, let me give you the call-in number in case you'd like to call in and participate in today's discussion. That number is 866-404-6519. Once again, that's 866-404-6519. My guest this week is Nathan W. Morris. Let me tell you a little bit about him. Nathan is an innovative finance expert, speaker, and coach. He is the author of the book, Your 33-Day Money Action Plan, and he teaches people how they can achieve financial freedom in incredibly short periods of time, regardless of their income or where they are starting today. Nathan is an advocate of debt-free living, entrepreneurship, and cash flow management. He specializes in helping people understand why they continue to struggle financially despite having great incomes and offers unique strategies and techniques to reprogram their minds to break free of the earn-to-spend trap and to experience freedom in their lives like never before. With all of this in mind, here's my guest, Nathan W. Morris. Nathan, are you there? I am. Good evening, Brian. Hey, good evening. Thank you so much for being on the show. I really appreciate it. Absolutely. Thanks for having me, Brian. You're welcome. So the first question that I want to ask is the same first question that I ask everybody. Tell us how you got started. What's your background? Where did you begin? What was your path to where you are right now? 
Brian, I think my story goes uh, a lot like a lot of people's. Um, when I was younger, you know, I came from a background that maybe wasn't so privileged, maybe not so advantaged. Um, the first nine years of my life, I spent, we lived in a trailer park in a little city called Asheville, North Carolina. It's in the mountains here in uh, the western part of our state. And uh, my mom, uh, she was a single mom. Um, my dad kind of split the picture when I was seven. Um, we moved to this small textile town that was kind of dying. They made blankets and things like that in town. And, you know, much like, you know, in the mid-90s or whatever, uh, you know, all those kind of factories were shutting up. So the town was just kind of a, a sleepy little town, a couple uh, traffic lights, nothing, you know, you could miss it easily. So, um, you know, the house we moved into uh, didn't have any heat uh, for many years, didn't have air conditioning, no dishwasher. I mean, just none of the... the you know, the necessities that people say that they need uh, these days. And, uh, you know, money was always a problem. And, you know, I saw my mom, she worked very hard. She was a nurse. By no means was she uneducated. By no means was she not a good earner. I mean, she was making a very good income, especially for the time and uh, the position in her career that she was. She was an RN. And she was working maybe three and four jobs. And so I was always going along with her on trips. Um, she was a home health nurse, things like that. And I was always reading, so uh, mom always told me that if I could read, I could do anything. So she would take me out of the library, and um, I'd check out a couple books. And so I guess in high school, I'd kind of continued on with that trend. And uh, a friend of mine was—he was involved in in some kind of uh, MLM kind of thing. And uh, I guess someone had given him a copy of Rich Dad Poor Dad. And so I said, you know, I kind of poked fun at him as we're sitting at lunch. You know, Rich Dad Poor Dad, what do you think you're going to be rich? And at that time. The idea of wealth, the idea of not having financial struggle in my life was completely alien. Like I just had never even thought about that as a possibility. But okay. somehow, some way, I wound up uh, reading the book, and I, I wanted to find uh, a way to maybe find a mentor or a system that could uh, help me escape the rat race like uh, Kiyosaki was talking about in that book. Wow. That's, that's great. So the idea of being rich never really, really occurred to you. So was Rich Dad, Poor Dad really the, the genesis? of thinking that, you know, this actually could be possible for you? Yeah, you know, and I, I give credit to the book because it opened my mind to the possibility. Now, all the things that Kiyosaki says, whether you agree with them or not at this point, you know, it doesn't matter. Uh, it was that one idea of, wow, you know, entrepreneurship, okay, passive income, okay, and just kind of working through that whole mindset that there was something else out there other than simply just going to college, just getting a degree and just getting a job and maybe trying to build credit or whatever, you know, typical people do. Okay, great. You mentioned the term passive income. Perhaps not everyone out there knows what that is. Can you distinguish between passive income and regular income for us real briefly? Absolutely. Um, so regular income is, is what you generally consider. I mean, when you go to your job, you do some work or maybe you do a contract uh, with somebody or something like that and you get paid for the results of that or maybe you uh, – in other words, you're having to actually do some kind of work to get that income. Whereas passive income is exactly kind of what it sounds like. You're getting paid for work that maybe you did once, like maybe you wrote a book or something and you're getting royalties or perhaps maybe you recorded something and you're you know, sending out the CDs and you get paid for that. Um, so anytime that you're getting a payment without actually physically working for it. Okay, that's great. You also discussed the idea of wanting to find a mentor. How important was that to you? Um, Brian, I think that was huge. Um, throughout my life, as I look back over kind of the turning points and the places where 
you know, things really changed for me where I wasn't just frustrated trying to figure out how to change things. But when the changes actually occurred, it's when there was that mentor, there was that coach, there was that wise advisor that came alongside of me and said, you know, hey, you're you're messing this up. If you just tweak this a little bit, then you'll get some results. And, you know, whether it was a book like Rich Dad, Poor Dad, where it kind of opened up that that mindset to me or whether it was one of my coaches and mentors that I now pay or that I have as just friends, you know, depending on the relationship, those relationships have always been very powerful in my life. That's great. And there are many reasons why someone should have a coach or a mentor. And that is a subject that uh, I have talked with several guests on my show about. Let me ask you about the importance of accountability because sometimes people want to have a coach or mentor more or less because they want an accountability partner. Was that the case for you? Uh, absolutely. Um, you know, one of the things I've always, I've always said, you know, if you think about getting in shape, we all want to get into better shape, whatever. And, you know, we, at one point or another, you, you got to have the thought of, you know, it'd be a lot easier to get in shape if somebody just came to my house, kicked my butt out of bed, put my shoes on for me, put me on the treadmill, played some Rocky music in the background, encouraged me, you know, and like made me do what I was supposed to do and told me the workout I was supposed to do and all that. And it, so, I've gotten to that place in my life many times in both business and my personal life and actually even my in my fitness life. In fact, it's a struggle that I'm going through right now as I'm looking for one of those mentors, one of those coaches to help me get my uh, myself in the shape that I want to get into. So that's why I use that example a lot. That's great. Now, when you had uh, a coach uh, at, at that time, you were building some businesses and you actually did very, very well. Um, what were you doing and then what happened after that? Yeah, my my first business out of high school actually, I just kind of took what I knew, which at the time was I was modifying Hondas. So I was doing automotive stuff and so I wrote some books on some projects that I was interested in. Um I marketed those and you know, it was kind of like a vending machine on the internet if you will. So you put your credit card in and for 20 bucks or 30 bucks or 40 bucks, 50 bucks, whatever the price was at that time and then of course it kicked out an email to you and everyone's seen this at this point in their um in the the history, but at the time it was actually pretty innovative, pretty cutting edge stuff. Um, so I did that for many years, okay. and um, after that I got involved in software. So I was doing big promotional campaigns for Fortune 100 companies like Viacom, uh, like Nickelodeon, MTV, Sony Pictures, people like that, Toshiba, Sears, whoever That's wanted. Great. That's great. We've got a couple of minutes before our next segment. You made a lot of money, Nathan, and then you ended up losing it all. I read your book, and you mentioned that. How, how did that happen? Yeah, by the time I was 22, I was in a situation where I was making basically, I mean, I, not basically, I was making a six-figure income. I was getting $23,000 checks for doing a couple hours of work. And I don't tell anyone that to brag or anything because what wound up happening as a result of a, an increased income is that my spending habits and everything else, my financial habits went with it, and I wound up just getting broke faster. So by the age of 23, I was flat broke. I was actually contemplating bankruptcy. Um, I, I mean, I couldn't sleep at night. It was it was absolutely awful. And um, I knew that I had to learn um, something different for the next yeah. time around. Okay. So what did you do uh, to put yourself back in, in the proper place where you were accustomed to? I uh, What I wound up having to do was I, I basically said, okay, well, I, I don't feel very financially free right now. So I need to get myself back to a place of financial freedom, and how can I do that? Well, I can't do that right now in debt. I was $32,000 in the hole, and $32,000 at the time felt like everything in the world to make up. So I wanted to basically figure out how can I um, get myself back to zero as quickly as possible, 
And so what I wound up doing is I wound up selling just about everything that wasn't nailed down and just kind of burning everything to the ground, if you will, that I had built so that I could start at zero again. Uh, so I wasn't starting from behind. I was at least starting at, at level ground. That's great. And we are coming up against our first break here real shortly. We're talking with Nathan W. Morris. He is the author of the book, Your 33-Day Money Action Plan. And we've been talking about his background and how he built successful businesses and how he lost it all and subsequently uh, got it all back again. And that is the subject of his book, which we will begin discussing at the uh, next segment. So please stay with us. This is Success Profiles Radio. Be right back. is to motivate and inspire others to discover their unique talents and follow their dreams in life. This is Success Profiles Radio, and we'll be back with more right after these on the Rockstar Radio Network. Get ready for smart health with your host, Dr. Glenn Mia. Friday afternoons at 2 p.m. Central on the Rockstar Radio Network. Smart Health is a one-hour program dedicated to discussions, interviews, and news in the ever-changing world of medicine. Information leads to smart choices, and smart choices lead to a healthier lifestyle. That's the quote of host and broadcast journalist Dr. Glenn Mia, M.D. This magazine-style radio show is a fast-paced program bringing together medical experts, authors, and patients to examine what works and what doesn't in staying healthy. Dr. Glenn Mia is a board-certified physician in pediatrics and internal medicine. His philosophy to wellness starts with an investment. He says proper nutrition, rest, and exercise are the best personal investments to maintaining good health. So join us for Smart Health with Dr. Glenn Mia. Fridays at 2 p.m. Central on the Rockstar Radio Network. Tune in to DC Live every Tuesday at 8 p.m. Central on the Rockstar Radio Network for a fun and entertaining look into the music industry with your host, producer, songwriter, and musician, Don Cromwell. DC Live will feature interviews and live performances with an emphasis on connecting you, the fan, with the artist. Guests will include both established and new artists, as well as behind-the-scenes professionals. There will also be live in-studio and phone interviews, plus music associated with featured artists, and live performances on a regular basis, and a special segment of each show devoted to unknown musicians and bands. For more on Don, check out his website, doncromwellmusic.com. Ever wonder how the music business really works? What happens in a studio? And what goes into making a hit record? Then be here for the interviews, insights, and live performances. It's DC Live. Hosted by producer, songwriter, and musician Don Cromwell. Tuesday nights at 8 p.m. Central on the Rockstar Radio Network. Welcome back to Success Profiles Radio. So many people live their lives wanting more than they currently have. And this show will clearly demonstrate the principles, if I can do it, you can do it. So let's get back to the show. This is Success Profiles Radio on the Rockstar Radio Network. And here again is your host, Brian K. Wright. And we are back. This is Success Profiles Radio. My very special guest is Nathan W. Morris. He is the author of the book, Your 30-Day 
33-day money action plan. And we talked about his background and how he built his businesses, how he lost it all and got it back again. And that is the subject of his book, which we will begin discussing right now. So, Nathan, in order to regain your wealth after you lost it, I would imagine that defining what you were spending money on was an important first step. And chapter one is about tracking your spending. So tell us a little bit about that. Brian, one of the things that um, I noticed with with high income earners, especially, is it's very easy to uh, lose track of what you're doing. And actually, it's not even just high income earners; it's everybody. Uh, you know, we have so much going on in our heads, and a lot of us think that we know what we're doing, and we think that we're good at keeping track, and we maybe look at our bank statements or whatever. But um, when I really dug down, what I found is that when you actually physically write down what you spend, that it completely changes the situation. And the illustration I use a lot is if you and I sit down to watch a movie and we you have a bag of potato chips sitting between us, you know, if we watch the movie and we're not really paying attention to what we're doing, by the end of the movie, it's easy to go through the entire bag. I mean, no matter how hungry you were or, how, or weren't for that matter. However, if we change that situation, I said, okay, well, we're going to do the same thing, except for every time you eat a chip, you got to write down how many calories was in the chip that you just put in your mouth. I mean, it doesn't matter how much you love chips. I mean, you're just simply not going to eat nearly as many as you would otherwise. And as a marketer, one of the things that I was kind of looking into is I was trying to see, you know, what are some of the ways that merchants are using to get us to spend more money than we would normally? And how are they taking advantage of the mind to get us to do that? Because if we can figure that out, then we can figure out how to reduce spending uh, without maybe affecting our lives too much or feeling like we're cutting back or anything like that. And one of the things that I found is that if you use cash where you're depleting a resource that's physical or if you're using a checkbook or something, any kind of transaction where you're writing down what you actually just did, simply by doing that, you you spend significantly less. The research seems to say about 38%. Personally, I think from my in-the-trenches experience with clients and stuff like that and my own personal you know, tracking, it seems to be about 14%. But I mean, that's a huge amount of money that could be redirected to other financial causes. And, you know, if if you're a business person, I mean, you should be looking for every leverage point that you can get anyway. Right. Um, and if you're not, you know, certainly it could be helpful for getting out of debt or whatever you got going on. Exactly. Even if someone's income is as modest as $2,000 a month, 14% of that is $280. That is significant when you start thinking about it in those terms. Is that right? <laughs> yeah, I mean, actually, $200 a month, I mean, I don't have a financial calculator in front of me, and I don't really care about them that much anyway, but um, if you were to extrapolate that out and you know invest that money for a long period of time, I'm sure that's several hundred thousand dollars, if not a million dollar uh, investment over time, depending on your rate of return. So it's huge. It's huge. Yeah, it is absolutely huge. In fact, I don't know if you've read, um, oh, gosh, the T. Harv Eker book, Secrets of the Millionaire Mind. He talks a little bit about every dollar that you spend now is hundreds and even thousands of dollars that you will not have in the future due to compound interest. And when you think about it that way, it is mind-boggling, the value of a dollar. And a lot of people don't see it. Are you finding that to be true? Um, You know, there's a lot of opportunity cost things that our brains just don't process very well. So, um, for example, you know, a lot of us are aware of uh, interest and how it compounds against us, say, if we're in debt or something like that. And, you know, people worry about interest rates and they know they should probably keep those down and things like that. They don't really think too much about principles. So they miss that, like, mortgages cost a fortune in interest, even though the interest rate is very low over time. Uh, But the other thing that they miss is that they are essentially borrowing from themselves in the future. So if I bought, if I buy a car today for 30 grand, for example, um, you know, 
it seems like I just bought the car and now I got a car payment for $250 or whatever. But really what I did is I took $30,000 from my future self. So when I get to the future, I find out saying that I'm in a situation where I have a lot less money than I thought I did. And it's because I've already spent money before I even woke up. Mm. Wow. That's that's a really uh, interesting way of framing that because a lot of people think about the monthly payment and, oh, I can manage this. But you really are paying much more than $30,000 for that car once you start uh, extrapolating the interest over a five-year period. That car is probably going to cost you, what, $60,000, $80,000? Not to mention uh, the one thing that I'd like to point out there is the cash flow pinch that you're going to have for those years. So, you you know, you're not going to have that $400 a month or whatever to use for other purposes because you have that outstanding loan. So it hurts you in kind of a couple of different ways. And it's not completely crystal clear um, at first glance. But if you really dig down, you start to see that it's really damaging. Exactly. And it is nice to have that extra cash flow. A lot of people may not necessarily realize that it's possible to have that because they have not clearly defined their reason why they want to get out of debt and achieve wealth. And you talk about that in your book as well, knowing your reason why. Yeah, this uh, this is actually really huge. And it, it sounds at first to be kind of that typical self-help mumbo jumbo. But the reality is, is that, you know, if you want to get out of debt, for example, or you want to put some savings aside for your kids or whatever it is, th- those are objectives. They're not really goals. They're not really things that are deep. Uh, deeply motivating to you. However, if you say something like, you know, I want to go start an orphanage in Uganda, and that's actually truly a passion of yours, and that's a a very selfless goal, by the way, and I think they're some of the most motivating. Um, Or maybe you get married, Mm -hmm. or there's something like that, and you want to do something for someone else, or to, to leave a legacy, whatever it is. If that is your guiding principle in every decision you make, the objectives, such as getting out of debt, become so much easier. So when I'm working with a client or a student, you know, sometimes it's just like, well, I don't want to give up all this stuff because, I mean, I'm just not very comfortable right now. And, you know, getting out of debt, I mean, this is hard and everything else. And I'm like, well, what's your reason why? And usually if they're not feeling motivated, it's because they haven't gotten that really, you know, concrete. When I got in my situation, I needed my freedom. I'm a freedom seeker by nature. I needed out of that that predicament that I was in where, you know, the money was the money I owed was way too much and what I had coming in was too little. And I mean, it was terrifying for me and I didn't like it. So it didn't matter what I had to do. It didn't matter what I had to sell, what I had to, how hard I had to work. None of that stuff mattered to me because my guiding principle, my reason why was I needed my freedom back for me, for my family, for my friends and things like that. So it's huge that that's done as part of a financial plan. It's not just about making a lot of money. You have to have a very good reason to do it, period. Exactly. And as you talk about in your book, once you have a reason why, the next step is to develop some kind of a strategy. And people think of saving money. That's the first thing that naturally comes to our minds because society talks to us about saving money at the bank or wherever. But a lot of people find it really difficult to save. So what recommendations would you have to the person that says, I can't save money? Okay, first of all, going back to that reason why, until you really, really, really have to, until you know that you really need to do that, uh, you probably won't save money. So that's one problem. Number two, after you've kind of gotten over that, is you need to start putting self-imposed discipline on yourself. Okay, so I'll give you an example of it somewhere else, and then I'll bring it back to saving. Uh, When I wanted to write my book, one of the things that I did is I got on Twitter I followed a bunch of people, got a bunch of friends, you know, uh, following me and stuff like that. And I told them, I'm releasing this book on September the 21st, 2012. 
and there were thousands of people looking at me, you know, and they were getting excited about it and they were asking questions and I'm showing them the book covers and stuff like that. So I knew that I had to deliver that thing. So no matter what, I was going to get it done. Right. Now, the same thing goes for paying yourself first, which is, which is a concept that everyone has thrown around. And I mean, if you've been through any kind of financial training at all with anybody anywhere, they've probably said that. And it may or may not have clicked with you. But see, the thing is, is that you have to pay yourself first because there are certain um, – you, you literally cannot live below your means until you do that. So one of the things that I suggest is that I suggest that you use auto drafts from your bank uh, to fund your savings as quickly as possible. And one way that you do that is you look through your budget and you say, okay, what are some of the monthly expenses I've got going out right now that I don't really necessarily care all that much about? So maybe it's a gym membership or something kind of silly. And you just say, okay, I'm paying 30 bucks a month for that. And you just cancel that and you redirect it as an auto draft. You literally make yourself pay a bill to yourself at a savings account other at a bank other than your own. And that's a great way of putting that discipline on yourself. That's an interesting idea that you, you just said. Uh, establish a savings account at a bank that you do not currently bank at. What is the psychological reason that you recommend that? Out of sight, out of mind, quite frankly, is, is basically it. So, um, you know, with online banking, it's very easy. If you have a savings account, a checking account right over top of each other on the screen or whatever, you know, one click and you've got the money moved from your savings account to your checking account because maybe you say, well, something came up and we'll just take it out of there. Uh, by putting it maybe across town at a bank that you can get access to but not very easily or maybe putting it at an online bank instead of your physical bank. Um, you know, whatever you've got to do to put a little, just a little buffer between you and that money so that you won't be too tempted to grab it in, you know, in an impulse situation. Okay. We've got a couple minutes before our next break. Let's start talking about credit cards. And if this spills into the next segment, that's totally fine. If you must have a credit card, are there specific kinds of cards that you do and do not recommend, Nathan? Um, I don't recommend department store cards, uh, regardless of what the uh, perks are. Uh, there's been studies, Target and their own quarterly studies said that uh, their, their people, they're one of the most generous cards too by perks. Uh, they said that their people spend 44% more when they get the car than when they got before. So you're saving 5%, but you're spending 44% more. Um, that's not so good. Um, otherwise, you know, uh, any, any credit card is dangerous when not used properly. Um, I tell my students, you know, when you have six months of emergency expense, uh, sorry, six months of expenses saved up and you've got a huge cash buffer between you and like not being able to pay off your card at the end of the month, then you could use a card if you'd like to. Otherwise, I'd prefer that you stick with debit cards, cash, um, checks, whatever it is that you're most comfortable with. Um, and I also, of course, encourage everybody to write down what they spend because that kind of curbs some of that plastic effect that we talked about earlier. Um, there, that's pretty much it. Absolutely. So before we go to our next break, with this in just a few seconds, any final parting thoughts about credit cards? We'll talk about negotiating your interest rate in the next segment because that's something that can be a very powerful way to reduce your balances. Uh, I guess the only parting thoughts that I have is that credit cards, uh, yes, they're, the, they're kind of the worst kinds of debt, but there are some other types that you might want to pay off first. Uh, family loans, for example, are usually uh, one that I like people to pay off because it repairs the relationship that's been maybe harmed by that loan. Exactly. Um, things like that. Okay, great. Well, we are coming up on our next segment. We have been talking 
talking with Nathan W. Morris, and his book is called Your 33-Day Money Action Plan. We've been talking about the importance of tracking your spending, knowing your reasons why, and why you should be saving money. We'll talk more about credit cards in the next segment. Please don't go away. This is Success Profiles Radio. mission is to motivate and inspire others to discover their unique talents and follow their dreams in life. This is Success Profiles Radio, and we'll be back with more right after these on the Rockstar Radio Network. Are you yearning to connect with those close to you who have passed on? Do you feel you'd be more at peace or more in balance in your life if you could only have that connection? Now you do. It's time for Alex Laws and the Alex Laws Hour. Wednesdays at 2 p.m. Central here on the Rockstar Radio Network. Alex discovered an incredible balance that allowed him to listen and receive messages from the other side. Not your traditional psychic medium. Alex has spent the last 27 years as an endurance athlete and entrepreneur. At the core of Alex's abilities is his knowing that in order to open one's soul to the universe, one must open their heart to being authentic. The wisdom Alex has shared from those beyond the veil has helped at an international level and changed people's lives and sometimes, too, their direction in life. Need help with your life or business direction? Tap into the spiritual realm of Alex Laws. For more information, check out alexlaws.com. Then join us for the Alex Laws Hour with Alex Laws. Wednesdays at 2 p.m. Central, here on The Rock. Star Radio Network. Are you the kind of parent who just wants their kids to live the life of their dreams? Well, grab your kids and join How to Raise a Millionaire Radio with Ann Morgan James and Jack James. It's a lively interview and call-in show, Thursday, 6 p.m. Central on the Rockstar Radio Network. This dynamic mother and son team are on a mission. They want to empower kids to dream big and go after those dreams with gusto. They want to fill the world with kid entrepreneurs. Are your kids ready for success? Don't miss their fun annex, lively guests, and discussions. For more on Ann and Jack and their show, check out their website, howtoraisemillionaire.com. Then join the conversation of lively interviews and call-ins, and let's give our kids the tools and encouragements they need to build a future they can bank on, no matter what the economy throws their way. It's How to Raise a Millionaire Radio with Ann Morgan James and Jack James. Thursdays, 6 p.m. Central on the Rockstar Radio Network. Welcome back to Success Profiles Radio. So many people live their lives wanting more than they currently have. And this show will clearly demonstrate the principles, if I can do it, you can do it. So let's get back to the show. This is Success Profiles Radio on the Rockstar Radio Network. And here again is your host, Brian K. Wright. And we are back. This is Success Profiles Radio. We've been talking with Nathan W. Morris about finances and the use of credit cards. One thing I want to talk about, Nathan, is if you do find yourself in a lot of debt, you advocate in your book the idea of negotiating your interest rates. So what does that involve? How does that work? When is it appropriate? And when can you maybe not be able to do that? Yeah, Brian, I won't spend too much time on this because it's one of those – it's kind of a tactic kind of thing. It's, okay. It's useful, but it's not um, 
it's not necessarily what I would like to to communicate, but um, basically what you need to do is you need to call the customer service line after you've been current. This is huge. You have to be current. You have to be in a negotiating position. And then you just call up and you basically say, hey, listen, I've been paying my bill on time or, you know, I've been a good customer for a long time. Maybe you've never been behind. And you say, you know, is there any way that we could just get a lower interest rate on this card? And it's going to work a lot better with a major bank card. It's not going to work well nearly ever on a uh, department store card, which is another reason I don't like them. They have high fees, they have high interest rates, and the customer service is absolutely terrible. Um, But if you do call and you do try it and they say no, which is the worst thing that can possibly happen, uh, the next thing you do is you call next month. And the next month, you be persistent as long as you can. And I did that while I was getting myself out of the hole. It was just one more leverage point that I could use. It wasn't the big thing that changed my life or anything, but it certainly is something you can use as a tool. That sounds fantastic. You also talk about getting to know your debt. What exactly does that mean? Okay, now, Brian, this is this is much more important. So a lot of people, uh, they know they're in debt, but they don't want to look at it. And I understand because, like, I didn't want to open the statements. In fact, there are still some statements that I've not opened from that period of my life. Um, I mean, I certainly could now if I wanted to, but I found them in my box, and I thought it was hilarious that they had never been opened. And it was because I was just terrified to look. But what I actually advocate is that people need to see what the scope of the problem is and they need to understand it thoroughly. So I have a worksheet that comes with the book, with the book rather, and um, basically it forces you to write out what you owe, what percentage rates, annual fees and stuff. A lot of people find a lot of interesting stuff there, but the thing that really gets them is the final column, which is the finance charges that they paid last month. And I point out that that is wasted money every single month that they are paying to their basically to their slave master the bank mm-hmm. or whoever they owe the money to uh, for the for the privilege of being in that in that debt situation yeah. and usually it gives the fire that they need to really push forward yeah. that sounds like a very strong reason why right there <laughs> it all, was for me <laughs> when all I the saw money it. that yeah all the money that you're wasting in interest charges so once you've identified your debt Nathan you advocate having a plan to pay that down yeah. Okay. So this is probably going to give some hope to people that are out there that that maybe are struggling with debt. For example, uh, my average client, uh, we usually get them out of debt without any crazy products, bankruptcy, anything like that, in about two years, and that's pretty average. That's not like you know a, a real rock star or anything like that, or somebody that was really low on the on the debt totem pole or anything like that. Um, but we just use we use a modified debt snowball, and your uh, your listeners can Google that if they'd like. It's in my book described how to do. But essentially, you need to have a very specific strategy for paying off debt because if all you do is do what I call random acts of debt repayment, which is you know I've got a couple hundred extra bucks this month, I'm going to throw it on this card, or I'm going to throw it on that card, or I don't like this one, so I'm going to pay that one down. Um, if you do that, you simply won't get out of debt. And it, I could do an entire show on why that is, um, but it's a very, very slow way to do it. But if you have a very specific plan for doing it and you can actually automate it as well, um, uh, it's amazing. It usually goes from something like 23 years to pay off you know, an average family that I might work with to maybe two or three years. And yes. the savings is hundreds of thousands usually. Oh, absolutely. Um, that's that's very important. I mean, you have to have a specific plan, and and I have read your book, and I love the action plan that you lay out. So definitely get this book. It's called Your Thirty Three Day Money Action Plan. And while I'm thinking about it, and I'll give you a couple more chances to talk about this, where can we get this book? Um, we're, you can get it on Amazon.com. Um, if your listeners go to NathanWMorris.com forward slash success. 
Um, there are links to both the paperback and the Kindle version, which is new, um, that they can get from Amazon directly and also some other information about some stuff we'll talk about here on the show. That sounds fantastic. So you talked about having a plan and getting people out of debt in an average of two years. People who have not been exposed to you or anyone like you and what you do think about their debt and think, wow, the only way out I really have is to settle this debt or file for bankruptcy. Are there situations where this is appropriate? Uh, I know it's not desirable, but are there times where you might even recommend that or do you have a plan for everybody? Very rarely, Brian. Uh, I've had I've had clients that have filed bankruptcy and I've had people that have done settlement. And the problem with both is that if you don't unlearn the things that have gotten you there, and frankly, most people have some event that happened and they blame that event. And sometimes it's legitimate. There are occasional instances where something so out of the ordinary happened, usually a big medical thing uh, that has landed them there. But usually it actually has to do with money management stuff. And that's not me judging that person um, because I have a lot of love for these people, but uh, having kind of been there myself. But it's kind of treating the symptom but not treating the cause. So I usually try to get people to pay what they owe back because it's just kind of an ethical thing for me as well. And usually it's not necessary to file bankruptcy. Now, a lawyer might tell you differently, uh, but what I find is that as long as your debt is not – well, we'll say your regular debt, not including your mortgage, is not significantly more than, say, your annual gross income – you're usually in a very, very good place. It may feel rough at the, t- at the moment, but with a plan, it usually goes away pretty quickly. Yeah. So you're saying if someone makes $50,000 a year and their consumer debt is $50,000, that's actually not a bad space to be in as a starting point, even though it feels horrible? Yeah, it, it'll feel terrible, and you'll be like, I don't know how I'm ever going to get out of this because your cash flow at that point is probably pretty pinched. Um, however, if you make a few changes, I've never had a problem with that. At any income level, it's pretty much a percentages game. So, like earlier, I said thirty-two thousand was all the money in the world to me at the time. Some people might have three hundred thousand. It depends on where you're at in your life as to how the percentages play out. But pretty much everyone's situation at the core, it winds up being about the same. Okay, that sounds fantastic. Let's switch gears a little bit, Nathan. You also talk about the importance of having a will. A lot of people don't have a will. A lot of people are afraid to make a will because they don't want to think about death and dying. It's, it's not a pleasant subject. Talk about why it's important. It's just one of those things that, you know, for the people that you love, the people that you care about, uh, if you're to die without a will, quite frankly, your assets, if any, are going to be tied up in probate. And it's, it's in other words, you're going to be in the court system. Your family's going to have to deal with that. Uh, if you haven't ever had a family member in your in your own family that's died without a will and seen kind of the, the horror show that can take place, talk to somebody a little bit older than you and see what they have to say about that process. And certainly you'll you'll find that if you if you care about the person that you're with or maybe the people that would be left to deal with what you left behind, uh, that's definitely something you want to get. Even if you don't really have any true assets, you need to have one. Okay. Is there a certain age where you advocate thinking about this because most people think about this at the end of their life. Is there a certain place in someone's life where you say, you know, you really should start thinking about this? Uh, As soon as you become a legal legal adult, you really ought to. Uh, It's especially important once you get married uh, or have children. Uh, If you're on your own and you're single and you're young and everything and you don't really have much in the way of assets, I guess you could get away with it, but it's just better to have one than not have one. It really isn't a big deal. It, Mm-hmm. I mean, it could be a couple of 
words on paper. It just has to be there are certain qualifications for a legal will, but those are available online very inexpensively and in some cases free of charge as well. Okay, great. Let's talk a little bit about identity theft because that's a subject you also tackle in your book. And he, he, Nathan discusses all of this in much more detail in his book, but I just want to touch on a lot of different areas because hopefully something will spark an interest in those of you that are listening uh, just to think about some of these things and how this affects your financial future and your financial freedom. This is about financial fitness, by the way. So protecting yourself against identity theft is certainly part of that process. What do you do? So... Uh, as we've gone along through the show, I think everyone's kind of getting the idea that this book is just totally about action. It's about stuff you can go out and do. It's very practical. It's not, you know, big theory, uh, philosophical stuff. Now, that stuff's all important. I do touch on it in the book, but the book is intended to give you something to go do, 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 do. So one of the things that we do is we talk about identity theft, and there's a thing called a credit freeze that you can do, and a lot of people don't know about this. In fact, most bankers don't know about it. Um, I've actually (laughs) – I've I've been uh, a little bit amused at financial professionals that did not understand what this was when they saw it on a credit report, i.e. mine. Uh, but essentially what it is is it's adding a password to your credit uh, pro, your credit account. So when they go to check your credit report, typically all they have to have is your social security number and they can check your credit report. Technically, they're supposed to have your authorization, but they don't really have to have that. A credit freeze allows you to essentially put a pen on your credit report. So even if I say, Brian, I had your social security number, I would not be able to check your credit if you had a credit freeze unless you went and actually notified the credit bureau that you wanted me to do that and you actually have control over whether I can do that or not. So essentially what that does is that allows um, you to prevent identity theft, the particularly nasty kind, which is where someone takes your social security number and opens a new account in your name. It doesn't do anything about people stealing your credit card or whatever, but that's a minor nuisance compared to the other kind, which can tie you up in court and uh, and legal fees and all kinds of things trying to clear your good name. Okay. So let's say I wanted to go buy a car and I have my credit frozen, and I had never heard of this until I read your book, so this was really new to me. So you're saying that you would have to call the credit bureau and unfreeze your credit so that the car dealership can check your credit? That's right, and it takes about maybe three minutes online to do. It's a very quick process, so it's not a big inconvenience to do. And and for the amount of times that most people are going to be unfreezing their credit in a given year, maybe eight, nine, ten times at the most, it's really no big deal at all. Okay, not a problem. We are coming up against our final break. I cannot believe how quickly this show is going. We've been talking about uh, getting out of debt. We've been talking about having a plan to pay it down. And I I love what you said that you can get your clients out of debt in an average of two years, especially if your debt is equal to or less than your current annual income. I I love that. That gives – Uh, That should give people a lot of hope that they're not in a hopeless situation. We also talked about the importance of having a will and protecting yourself and freezing your credit so that no one can steal uh, your social security number or open up new credit lines in your name because I know that can be an absolutely horrific experience. I know people that has happened to. We will come right back for our final segment. Please stay with us. This is Success Profiles Radio. Be right back.
the mission is to motivate and inspire others to discover their unique talents and follow their dreams in life. This is Success Profiles Radio, and we'll be back with more right after these on the Rockstar Radio Network. Get ready to learn and play with Mrs. A, your host, Barbara Allison, Mondays at 11 a.m. Central on the Rockstar Radio Network. Did you know that kids are only 20% of the population, but they are 100% of the future? How are you preparing your child for that future? The years between the ages of 0 and 6 are crucial for learning and development. Barbara Allison is a teacher, parent, and author on supporting children's early learning. Learning starts even before a child is born, and parents are children's first teacher. Join Mrs. A for ideas, tips, and suggestions for fun learning and play activities as she helps you support your child. Starting early is starting smart. For more on Mrs. A, her books, the show, and her blog, check out her website, 123kindergarten.com. Then, come learn and play with Mrs. A with your host, Barbara Allison, Mondays at 11 a.m. Central on the Rockstar Radio Network. There's a new sheriff in town. All right, boys, it's time to bulletproof your taxes. It's Nellie Williams, Fridays at 1 Eastern, here on the Rockstar Radio Network with Bulletproof Your Taxes. You can't avoid IRS problems with her audit proofing system. You know time is running out. The IRS is looking for you and your business, and it's only going to get worse because they're determined to close as many loopholes that currently exist for virtual businesses. Nellie knows this to be true because she's a former IRS tax audit supervisor. So you know she knows her stuff. And learn how to beat, not cheat the IRS, and keep more of what's yours so it doesn't become theirs. Check out her website, bulletproofyourtaxes.com. Imagine the peace of mind knowing your taxes are bulletproof. So we'll see you here, partner, for Bulletproof Your Taxes, Fridays at 1 Eastern, with Nellie Williams, right here on the Rockstar Radio Network. Welcome back to Success Profiles Radio. So many people live their lives wanting more than they currently have. And this show will clearly demonstrate the principles, if I can do it, you can do it. So let's get back to the show. This is Success Profiles Radio on the Rockstar Radio Network. And here again is your host, Brian K. Wright. And we are back. This is our final segment. This is Success Profiles Radio, and I am with my very special guest, Nathan W. Morris. He is the author of the book, Your 33-Day Money Action Plan. And we've been talking about a lot of things relating to your financial fitness. The next thing I want to talk about, Nathan, is the idea of giving your money away. That may sound counterintuitive to some if you're building wealth, but really there's a a spiritual aspect to that. Would you agree? Uh, it's a very spiritual thing, and I think it's it's incredibly counterintuitive. I mean, at, at face value, people want to reject it. Uh, maybe they've been in like a church where it was kind of abused or something like that, uh, and they just kind of have this sour taste in their mouth about it. Or maybe they think, well, you know, it's all about me, and I'll I'll make my money, and then I'll give some money away later. Um, but what I encourage people to do is, I actually encourage people to start giving away money right away, uh, even if it's just a dollar. On a re- on a weekly basis or something like that, just to to get used to letting go of some of that money because some of the reason that we actually wind up in debt or we wind up in financial struggle is that we start to like cling so tightly to money and we kind of become like uh, like Charles Dickens uh, like the Scrooge right so uh, we don't we don't want to be that guy and I got a really cool quote this is actually from one of my posts um, it's not something I wrote but I put it in a post it's from a 
it's from a book from 1903 by James Allen called The Eight Pillars of Prosperity. And uh, basically, this is one of those books that I guess all the self-help literature of today could really trace its roots back to. But he says, giving has always been taught as a great and important duty by all the religious teachers. This is because giving is one of the highways of personal growth and progress. It is a means by which we attain to greater and greater unselfishness and by which we prevent falling back into selfishness. And I think that's so cool. And there's, there's more to that quote, but I just wanted to share that with your, with your listeners. Um, one of the things that's been kind of a, an ongoing challenge for me is really adopting this attitude of generosity and seeing that as a, a means of creating true financial freedom in my life. In other words, money doesn't own me anymore. I own it or I control it. Mm-hmm. I love what you just said. You control money. Money doesn't control you. Do you find that when you are coaching your clients, that's, that's an issue or a mindset that you have to sort of help people reverse? It is because I think it's a very human nature kind of thing. Um, you know, when you ask people, what's the way to financial freedom? Most of the time it's, you know, give me a big pile of money or get a bigger income or something like that. Rather than thinking about all the things that, you know, that they have and how those things are affecting them and um, how can they manage what they really have and get the most out of it. Because a lot of times it's not an income issue, it's a management issue. Um, and and it's just a very, I mean, I tell people all the time that one of the things that we do in my, in my coaching program we'll talk about later is we talk about some of the fix your head kind of stuff. So we talk about this yes. issue of we want more and more income and we want more and more but we at some point have to learn how to not do that anymore, even though that's our human nature. And, and that actually creates an enormous amount of freedom, even though it doesn't sound at first like that's the case. But believe me, having experienced it in my life, it's hugely freeing. Wow, that's really great. Do you advocate a certain percentage that you give away or just what personal. you can afford? Totally personal. At first, I say just do something. I mean, give something, give time, give money, whatever, just mm-hmm. to some something that you truly believe in. And when we talked about the reason why, I find that when you're giving off the top, if you're giving a percentage or something like that, one of the cool things is that because it's a selfless goal and if it's something you really truly believe in, you're not just giving money to like feel good about yourself – uh, you actually get motivated to give more. In other words, you really like you start seeing changes in other people's lives, and that really affects you, and it makes you want to become more successful. And I think that's one of the main reasons why giving is so powerful um, in yeah. the business owner or in the employee's life. Yeah, and even the whole legacy issue that we addressed earlier in the show uh, can be a very important reason why you want to set up, uh, you know something in Uganda or you want to help people get through a disaster or you want to create a legacy by creating a scholarship at the school that you went to. I mean, those are all very important ways that you can give back, correct? Absolutely. Absolutely. So let's talk for a little bit about common traits of financially successful people because being able to accumulate wealth is not it's not a random thing. You have to do specific things and you talk about them in your book. What are some of the common traits that you have found for people who are financially successful? We've talked. We've touched on a couple of them, but I think one that we haven't really delved into, we've maybe hinted at, is that successful people that I encounter, 
they all are constantly learning. They're constantly in a state of, I don't know. Um, I, you know, I like to tell people that I'm the most incompetent person on the planet. Um, you know, I'm very willing to admit that I don't know something. Um, I mean, obviously I have certain expertise and things like that, but you know, I'm constantly trying to improve myself. And one of the ways that I'm doing that is I'm always reading. I'm always investing in programs and coaching and things like that. Um, mentor relationships, whether that's with money or time. I mean, both of them are valuable and both of them get exchanged. And, um, I have, both kinds of mentors and I have both kinds of education that I receive both that, you know, are kind of on a volunteer basis. Maybe I'm volunteering somewhere to learn something, or maybe I'm actually paying somebody for some knowledge that they have. And so to quote, I guess it's Jim Rohn that said it, he says, you know, rich people have big libraries and poor people have big TVs. Um, you know, I don't, I don't spend a lot of time in front of TV or, or on things like that. I spend it on how can I make myself better? And I'm constantly trying to figure that out. And that's what I encourage my, my clients and my students to do as well. And it's really served them very well. Great. Any other common traits that you find? Um, I think, you know, going back to this, the whole, like, I think at the beginning, you talked about Brian Tracy's thing, right? About, you yes. know, I'm in a situation, I've got a problem. Okay, I need to come up with solutions and I need to come up with 20. Well, here's the thing. Here's the thing that separates successful people and maybe not so successful people. Successful people make it down to number 20. Okay, so they go down and they consider all their options. They come up with more than just one thing. And this was kind of a breakthrough for me. And I thought it was kind of funny when you brought it up. When I was trying to figure out, okay, I'm thirty-two thousand dollars in the hole. I got to get out. What do I? What do I do? And number one thing I came up with was get somebody to give me thirty-two thousand dollars. And then step two was. Uh, Find someone I know that has $32,000 that will give it to. I mean, my ideas were very kind of bland and normal and not very interesting. But as I got right. further down the page, it took months to eventually get there, right? It's, as I went down the page, the ideas got more and more creative, more and more action-oriented, things that I could actually go do, things that would actually be possible for me to accomplish. And, of course, in about a year or so, I was out of that situation. A year and a half, I think, is the whole the whole thing that I figured out looking back on it, that it was hooked to get out of that situation and get back to where I wanted to be. Wow. That's really fantastic. So, and I'm glad that you went back to, to the beginning that Brian Tracy exercise. If you have a challenge in front of you, and I'm going to say challenge and not problem because the psychology of that vocabulary is really, really important folks. Challenge. Think of it as a game. People love to beat a game Think of it as a game. Don't think of it as a problem or something that's going to drag you down. Think of it as a challenge. Think of it as something fun that you can win at. And Nathan, and you've done that. Uh, so I, I appreciate you sharing that particular example. We've talked a little bit throughout the show about the fact that you do coaching. So I definitely, well, first of all, let's talk a little bit again about where we can get this book. And then let's talk about your coaching program. Okay, yeah. If they go to NathanWMorris.com, they uh, forward slash success. Um, they can find all the information about all the stuff that we've talked about here, and they can also browse around my website and do whatever they want to do there. Um, and, and then what was the rest of your question? I'm sorry. Uh, let's talk about coaching. Coaching. Okay, so for years I did one-on-one coaching, but I've decided that because I want to spend more time with my wife and uh, you know on the things that I need to do, and I want to help more people for a more reasonable cost, um, I've stopped doing one-on-one coaching, and I'm now focusing on doing group coaching. So what I do is every month we get on the phone together, the group of us, and we uh, we discuss these kinds of issues, philosophical stuff. So we talk about you know why is giving uh, paramount to this whole thing? Why is income not necessarily the way to 
wealth and what do we, you know, we talk about mechanics stuff. So, you know, stuff like what you find in your 33-day money action plan, you know, you find action-oriented stuff, the practical stuff that you can use to achieve financial freedom. And so essentially what we do is uh, we get on that call, we do that. Um, I answer questions from the members, things like that, and they get a recording of the call on CD, and they also get it in MP3 format. They get some other resources throughout the month, including email reminders, tips, things like that, that they can use to you know, encourage them and keep them accountable. They also receive opportunities to get on the phone with me for up to 15 minutes for accountability, and also if they have like an emergency 911 situation, they really need some advice on some financial issue that's come up. Um, I'd be more than happy to get on the phone with that member and uh, discuss that with them personally. That sounds fantastic. What are some of the most common issues? I mean, without breaching confidentiality, of course, but what are the most common issues that you help people with in this journey? I think the, the most important thing is getting a realistic look at money. Um, and that's a really complicated topic, but you know, like I said, we all have certain mindsets about money and we think we understand it. We think we know how it works. We think we know what wealth is and we think we understand economy and stuff like that, but we really don't understand it. And so my stu- my lifelong study has been figuring out what are the little things in our minds that we can tweak? What are the little, little hinges that swing big doors is another famous quote uh, that we can, you know, do these little things and we can totally change the outcome of our lives in terms of are we moving towards financial bondage or are we moving towards financial freedom? Yeah, it's very, very important. Anything else about coaching that you want to address? We've got just under two minutes left in the show. Sure. Um, You know, coaching is a very difficult thing to uh, express what the value of it is. So one of the things that I want to offer to your listeners is I have a three-month trial that they can do completely at my risk. Um, they could take it for a test drive, see if it's something that they're interested in. Um, you know, I want them to see the actual benefits. I want them to start getting results before they even have to pay me a dollar. Um, after that, it's $47 a month, which is very reasonable considering it used to be um, $500 a month for me to work with you one-on-one. So, I mean, the group thing has made, I mean, it's been absolutely amazing for the people that have gotten involved with that. And I've gotten some really incredible feedback and people getting results already. And we've only been doing this for uh, a couple weeks now. Okay. All right. Very quickly, as we are approaching the end of the show, how do we get a hold of you, Nathan? Uh, NathanWMorris.com is my website. Um, on there, you'll see on the right-hand side, there's a couple different options to follow me around on the internet, Twitter, YouTube, etc. But um, the, probably the best, most, play, most active place that I am is on Twitter. So at Nathan W. Morris is my Twitter handle, and you can find Sounds me fantastic. on there. Sounds great. We are at the end of the show. This has been Success Profiles Radio. Thank you to my very special guest, Nathan W. Morris. You can get his book. It is called Your 33-Day Money Action Plan. Please join us next Monday at 6 p.m. Eastern Time for our next episode of Success Profiles Radio. Thanks for being with us today. Have yourselves a fantastic week. Find me on Facebook, LinkedIn, and Twitter, Brian K. Wright. Thank you. Have a wonderful week, everyone. Take care. Thank you for being a part of Success Profiles Radio with your host, Brian K. Wright, here on the Rockstar Radio Network. Each week, we'll